Hello everybody, welcome to your Blood Red podcast, I'm Andy Kelly, uh, this week I'm joined by Ian Doyle and by Christian Walsh and we're looking back on a thoroughly satisfactory weekend for Liverpool, a 4-1 victory uh, in the first home game of the season against Leicester. Um, Ian, Jurgen Klopp couldn't have asked for much more really on the field, he would have uh, bitten your hand off for a 4-1 before the game. Well, I mean, when you bear in mind that they've been on the road for the last three, four games, haven't they? I think the expectation level levels were quite high. Uh, and I think you're right, Jurgen Klopp, it couldn't have gone any better for Liverpool. OK, maybe the, the goal they conceded wasn't the best. But in terms of a, an attacking display, it was probably at Anfield Liverpool's best attacking display under Klopp, would you say? I mean, I can't think of many more that overall were better than that. And it's uh, certainly with you know the likes of you know, Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino, Adam Lallana got, got involved. I don't think he, he could really have anything to complain about. And you've got to bear in mind they were playing a Leicester team that was only one player short of the team that you know won the league by 10, 11 points last season. Admittedly, it was Kante, the best player. But, yeah. You know, Christian, so, I was going to say that. Is there any... So do we do we give any credence to the fact that, that there's, you know, Leicester you know, aren't as good as they were last season, it would appear? Um, or do we just say Liverpool did a proper job on them? No, I mean, it was only one player, but... Um, you look at a couple of those goals, I don't see what Angola Kante would have done, to be honest. A couple of them came from long raking balls from Henderson, from, from uh, back to front. Um, you know, Maybe he would have got a touch on the on the, on the the Milner through ball, perhaps. Uh, and, and also, which one have which, what have, what have we had? Uh, the third one. You know, Maybe he's in the way of the line of shot. But you know, I think it was such a dominant for a performance by Liverpool that I don't think you can... You can account for N'Golo Kante being there or not being there, so you'd have to say that you know they beat the champions four one, and you know champions who were well well worth the, the title last season. You know they, they've they've added to the squad, although you didn't really see it. You know they haven't exactly stood still. Yes, they've lost the, the best player uh, in Kante, but um, you know you saw Hernandez on the pitch there. Musa came on in the second half, and, and so they've recruited over the summer uh, in a way that Ranieri obviously and Steve Walsh before he left for Everton. I was fit. I was quite pleased not to see Slimani on the yeah, uh, on the team sheet just because he's sort of a bit of an unknown quantity and he's powerful and, like to score headers and you think about you know what, what Liverpool uh, struggle against sometimes um, that you know I thought he would have been a shoe in to, to at least have a, a little uh, go off the bench but you know it, they are the champions and you know can't say or not it's they still got Maris they still got Vardy they still got Albrighton who was good last season um, you know. Uh, Drinkwater is a good midfielder, and obviously the back four was, was until Simpson went off was uh, was the back four, including and Schmeichel makes it a back five that won the league. So, not many teams scored four past Leicester last season. Um, Dory, looking at some of the players, we should talk uh, about a few performances and sort of in chronological order. Really, you look at Firmino, obviously got us underway, um, put in a sparkling performance. I thought pretty much throughout and he was still going right at the end when he got his second of course and uh, I even think that, that you know it has to be a really nice touch um, from the Mane ball which was a little bit under hit and uh, to, to, to free open the open goal and uh, he just did he, his control and touch at the moment is really good isn't he? I mean for Liverpool fans this is what Firmino's been like for, for about six, seven, eight months now basically since the turn of the year but other people outsiders have just not really been getting onto it until the last maybe the last couple of weeks this season, maybe. I mean, he's, he's always been one of these players that... When Liverpool signed him, I have to be honest, I didn't really know much about him. I'm not sure whether Christian knew a bit more than I did, or yourself. 
but I didn't know a lot about him. And it was one of those ones where you wait and see. And, and initially, you were thinking you couldn't quite. You knew you knew he had something, but you, you couldn't quite see how it was going to fit. But then the minute Jurgen Klopp comes in, he's a player who knew him from, from the Bundesliga Germany, and uh, he's warm to him. I mean, it, it's basically turned for Firmino since he went. I think it was the was it the Chelsea or the Manchester City game where he went up front first. He was the false sign, I think. From that, it was, was it Chelsea first? I think it was, it was Chelsea, Chelsea first, yeah. and then he scored against yeah, Manchester City. So those right. two games, wasn't it? So that kind of just kick-started him, and now I think he's been a bit more appreciated by... He's always been appreciated by, by Liverpool fans, but I think elsewhere now people are kind of cottoning on to the fact that it's not just all about Coutinho, basically. I think what you've got to remember as well is, is the circumstance in which he came in. Brendan Rodgers wants a Christian Benteke and signs him, and then along comes this opportunity to sign a genuine good player from the Bundesliga in... in um, in Firmino, I've watched a little bit of him in Hoffenheim. You know, you just cast the highlights, you see the old game on BT or whatnot. And he obviously had class, he was getting talked about as a real potential Premier League star. So in he comes as well. Uh, then he gets, you know, a bit of a slow start because he's playing up alongside, well, just behind Benteke. Um, he was on the right wing, I think, to start with under Rodgers. Didn't really fashion any sort of partnership with Benteke. Got the back injury against Carlisle, I think That's it was, right, yeah. Um, yeah. and then sort of came back under a new manager by that point. So obviously, didn't play in the first game um, against Tottenham. Did he? Uh, it took him a while to come back. And once Klopp phased out Benteke gradually, um, and, and you know didn't sort of realise that you know that he wasn't a striker that you could really play. You know, play to, you can if you play to his strengths, you're, you're blunting a lot of Liverpool's. Uh, that's where he's kicked on. So. In terms of since Firmino has been settled in a side that suits him, he's been absolutely astonishing for yeah. Liverpool, to be honest, and Liverpool's best player. So it just shows you why you shouldn't you know, write off players so soon, but also how circumstance can, can really shape a career at, at Anfield. I say what's interesting about him as well is that he isn't blessed with you know the great amount of pace that maybe some of the others have. Like you think of Mane, he's got great pace, but he doesn't, he doesn't have that. But that's not to say he's slow, but... His actual just his talent, you know, you've seen the way he pulled the ball out of the air a few times at, at, at Leicester. You know, that, that's the kind of thing that, that makes a difference. It makes yeah. a difference as well. I mean, and also the other thing is that he can put himself about a bit as well. He's not someone you. Can, you there's not much of him, but yeah. he doesn't often get knocked off the ball and not flying, does he? He was he was everywhere. I thought on on Saturday everywhere because you, you, he obviously with Sturridge returning, he wasn't in the false nine anymore, and he was sort of off the front. And then, but you were seeing him in his his own half on the edge of his own box, plenty of time yet still been able to provide a threat at the other end. And he's, um, you know, he he puts in you know proper shift for you as well. Oh, he works still, really, really hard. I think he is one of those players that will throw in the odd stinker, won't he? And we saw that last season, just where sometimes you know people were doubting him. And he, I for one, was really disappointed with him in the uh, in the final in in Basel because I thought he was really going to light up that final and. Uh, we didn't really see him, I didn't think. And uh, um, but you know, he, he, if he keeps this, you know, rate of progress going for a season, you know, he could end up um, easily as you know top scorer. You know, he was only a couple off top scorer last 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 season. So I think he's is he twenty four. Does he turn twenty five? Yeah, he's twenty four or twenty five. Yeah. Um, you know, before the Leicester game, he certainly created more chances than any other player in the Premier League. That's probably just carried on because he was creating a fair few against Leicester. And you know, everyone's talking about Mane and, and there's the comparison with A. John Barnes would be Suarez, but I think if you if you're looking for the Suarez like figure in that Liverpool team, Firmino is far likelier. Not the same type of player, but he's 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 the sort of player who can turn nothing into something very, very quickly. He's got he's got brilliant vision. He's not necessarily the quickest, but he's got a good good eye for goals as well. 
I'm not saying he's as good as Suarez or he will become as good as Suarez, but you know he's he's that sort of player who will produce something even more so than Coutinho. I think Coutinho will will speculate to accumulate, whereas I think Firmino is a, is a little bit more uh, you know knowledgeable. In, in terms of what he's doing with the ball, he knows exactly where he wants to put it and, and how he's going to do it. And uh, you know, I think I'm not, I'm not saying Liverpool should build a team around Firmino, but he's, he's an automatic pick in most games now, surely. I think the other thing with Firmino that you saw with the what was saying Firmino? Firmino? No, no, it's, Firmino, it's, it's, Firmino, you're not allowed. Firmino, 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 yeah. Coutinho, I'm Firmino. Coutinho because of the H. It is. Yeah. Let's let's not get into the phonics of it. It's Firmino. Okay, right. Anyway, <laughs> it's two goals. If a striker scoring them, you've got great finishing. Both of his goals, I mean, you'd argue that with the exception of Daniel Sturridge, he's probably the best finisher at the club. If you look at the goals and the way that he's took them away, you wouldn't say, oh, that's the work of a, an attacking midfielder. Like, you know, Lallana's goal where he smashed it, that's more the kind of goal you expect from a player like that. But you look at his goals were just taken as though he was, you know, very cool, very composed. That's but, that's the sign of a, of a centre-forward, not, not not an attacking midfielder. Slight issue there, because obviously um, the, the best finisher at the club is clearly Ben Woodburn in the under-23s, uh, under but uh, another goal yesterday. But uh, that's probably another podcast. But uh, um, Sturridge, you mentioned, um, what do you make of his uh, return? Some people suggesting maybe he looked like he, he was a... Uh, Lost a little bit of his pace. Who said that? Um, several people on social media that I saw. Oh, um, I, you know, he, he, I thought he had, he had a good game and an a excellent link up with Manny for what was a lovely second goal in particular. I think the reason Liverpool scored four is because Sturridge was playing. Yeah, that's what I think. Excellent I think he, movement he, for the first. Yeah, and he, he's he's an actual striker. He knows the position. And he's there was a, there was one part where he was I think he was back. He made a tackle like kind well, of like against midway. That no, was no, the start that's of that. That's yeah, yeah. the opening goal. Yeah. That was him tracking back in the, in the midfield and, and filling that gap and passing it back to Minule. So he's, do, he's doing the work, which I know the game against Burnley, the, everyone was a bit more concerned about he should be stuck more up in the centre. But it's, it's the first goal came from him being in the centre and then Go on, you know, taking the defender away. And, and, taking away that, and only a striker really knows how to do that. Someone who's played up there for, for a long time. And I think the other players benefit from, from having him up there and... But you know, I've said it in the past that if, when, if he's fit, he should be playing. I think you've seen the redefinition of Sturridge as a striker under Klopp. Um, obviously, the, his little stints on the right hand side. I don't know whether that will be a long term thing. I don't think it will be. God, I, I hope not. I think it'll be. I think it's similar to when Klopp was playing Lewandowski as a number ten at Dortmund. I think it's a, it's sort of a way to appreciate certain aspects of the game that he not can't necessarily appreciate just as a striker. And maybe you saw the first the first comings of that when he tracked back for that first goal. You know, just just spatial awareness and appreciating. You know that you've yeah. got to sometimes look back to go forward. By the time you get to the that, I think you're probably right. But I wonder whether you know that's the sort of thing they normally do with kids at the academy. You know, stick them in a different position just so they get to learn the basics of you know. This is what you'll see if you look up from right back. This is where you'd want your striker to be moving or wherever. You know, you'd have thought at, at Sturridge's level of his career, he'd he'd sort of already be know those those basics. But um, you know, he's very might, particular he, though, isn't he? He is very particular, and, yeah, and he's yeah. a player who at Liverpool he's certainly been. How, how do we put this case towards um, you know with, with, with Suarez? He basically had free reign to do what he wants because Suarez created so much space and vice versa. And then, you know, obviously he's been in and out of the team injured, but when Rodgers plays, he was very much the main man. The, the, the role of everyone was to supply Daniel Sturridge, whereas obviously it's a lot more of a team game under Klopp. Um, 
and he, he wants them to, to be a part of a part of the team to press on the front and, and all this sort of stuff so that that's where it's it's coming to I think Dorothy, isn't isn't this a case of we're, what we're going to see this season is is you know the old horses for courses and uh, Klopp's going to adjust his front line and he's, he's got loads of options I mean we haven't seen hardly anything of Origi this this season. He was, you know, really looking impressive last year, and uh, needs rhythm or whatever Klopp said uh, earlier uh, uh, in the month. But uh, you know, he's just gonna choose whichever players he feels will do the job in that particular particular game, and we could see a bit of chopping and changing at the front end. Well, I think he's now got the players up there that I think he wanted. I think if he wanted a, another striker, he'd probably got one in. But over the summer, but he didn't find you know need. To do it, we haven't even mentioned Danny Ings. You know, that's remember this time last year he was knocking them in, and everyone was looking forward to you know, seeing what he could do. Then he got injured, so he's still on his way back from that. Yeah, so I'm knocking one from about half a yard at Prenton Park yesterday your, for the your kind of range. for the under twenty yeah. threes and uh, putting a full ninety minutes. But going back to what what Christian said about uh, Daniel Sturridge, he's right in the fact that Klopp's now got Liverpool where they are no longer reliant on Daniel Sturridge, but they can rely on him. That makes any sense. Yeah, it's, just, it well, does. it's quite prescient for you, that Dorley. Yeah, thank you. I think he's got to do it. Is that, is that <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm going now. Yeah, so now I, I think they've got to do that with Sturridge though, as well, because you know I, I know you shook your head, Dorley, but I, I think he has lost that little bit of the other piece. The, the old, the old Daniel Sturridge for that second goal would have raced away and, and had a shot at himself. It, as it was, he sort of slowed the play down, waited for Mane to come. And, and, and back healed it. In some ways, it's not just to do with storage, but with all kind of footballers. Once they realise that they can't rely on the pace, they've got a choice. Then they can either just retreat or go. Well, hang on, I've got to become a slightly better footballer, more clever. Mm. You know, that's why the best play. That's when they, you know, they say that they, when they get old and they lose the legs, but they're still as good as they used to be because the you know, yeah. strikers can't exactly drop too deep, but they can kind of change the game a little bit. I don't think we should. We don't think we should over. Overplay this. I mean, I think all three of us would struggle to be catching Daniel Sturridge if he's But um, but but yeah, maybe maybe not quite as absolutely lightning as he was. But uh, um, you know. again, again, they're not they're not reliant on his pace because they've got someone like Manny now who's got who's got the pace that can you know you need, that you need to to break away from he's defenses the new, and break through defences. He's the new darling, isn't he, Manny? Everyone is just buzzing to watch him, aren't they? And there's a real excitement. You can sense the excitement in the ground when he when he gets the ball, can't you? So he's, you know, we've spoken about him in the last few pods, but he is, you know, he, he, he's looking a bargain, isn't he? Well, so, how, how much was he, 30? Well, at, the time, at the time, well, 30 to 36, wasn't it? Yeah, at I suspect time, the six the, is contingent on Champions League. But At, at the time, people go, no, oh, that's a bit, bit, bit odd. You know, that's a lot of money, but... Christian said the other week that by the time he got to the end of the transfer window before he'd hardly played a game you were thinking oh that's good value and you yeah. looked at some of the other moves that were happening absolutely and uh, what I like about Manny really quickly about the Leicester game he had to stink it up for the first 20 minutes he was, he was, I didn't think it was his best game of the season but he's still massively effective wasn't he in the end, in the end by the end yeah, of the game yeah he just he recovered like the, the first 20 were poor and then he just he, he, I think he was having a little bit of uh, afters with Ranieri on the touchline he, he gave one ball away where he just basically forgot to control it but after that, he was, you know, he was, he was top notch again. Um, Adam Lana got Liverpool's hundredth goal under Klopp, um, playing really well at the minute and adjusting really well to in this new deeper position and ran more than anyone in the Premier League has this season. Yeah, thirteen kilometres. Um, but I think maybe more interesting to talk about is uh, Wijnaldum. Now, Christian and I lost a couple of quid having a having a go for him to score 
uh, on uh, Saturday, primarily because he, he he scored so many at home for Newcastle last season, and he was uh, he seemed to be really excited about uh, uh, playing uh, at Anfield for the first time. But um, it's interesting where Klopp's choosing to play him, isn't it, uh, Ian? Because you know he, I assumed that he'd be a sort of uh, a midfielder much higher up the pitch, but he's really most of the times you noticed him apart from a couple of sort of shots that went over most of the times you noticed him on on uh, on Saturday yes I did see your tweet about yes. that um, most of the time you noticed him was when he was coming back winning a header in his own box um, winning balls on the edge and he, he did it was his defensive work which you noticed which I have to say I, I didn't think at all would be why we would have bought him well he did set up lay off Lallana's goal Right, saying that, yeah. yeah, he did. Let, when everyone was screaming for him to pass the ball to, Firmino. yeah, yeah. On the other and side. It, well, indeed, he said he laid, he put Lalana's goal in at Arsenal as well, didn't mm. he, with the cross? I mean, you know, we've spoken. Well, I've spoken before about Wan Alden, and I can't really see him as a as a defensive holding midfielder. But then, is where he's playing uh, what we think of as a as a holding midfielder? Going back to Leicester as a Kante, is he really that? Was Henderson that? Oh, I, I think, think he, look, I think, think he's getting think, up and down. I but... think you look at you looked at Liverpool's team. Uh, on Saturday, and the defence consisted of two defenders, uh, a, a kind of an attacking midfielder and a central midfielder, and then the two holding midfielders were normally, you'd say, attacking midfielders. So it's it's Klopp had made the decision that clearly we're going to go for goals here, we're going to go on the attack. I'm not sure every single game we're going to see Wijnaldum in that position, but as we've said, I just can't see him being the permanently you've got also bear in mind Emery Chan's not fit at the moment so he'd, he'd be the one that would come in it's a question then of where would Wijnaldum play because he would have to go further up and then who do you take out so I think you mentioned before about horses for courses I think he's going to be one of those that becomes one of the horses for courses I, I think in general your fixture list and more pertinently perhaps your your injury list tends to look after these questions you know the, the, it's very rare you get everybody's fit to play a game or, or at 100% and I think um it it creates that competition for places in at the time in the probably the rare times when everybody's raring to go. But mostly, Christian, you, you know, you don't you won't need to worry about oh where does Wijnaldum go when Chan's fit because somebody further forward will be carrying a knock or whatever. It's strange that it never really works out that way, isn't it? The only time I can remember Liverpool not having a, a bulging injury list was was twenty thirteen fourteen, which was one of the only occasions when they had a thirteen man squad. You know, Rogers had basically had his first eleven, and he maybe have Coutinho off the bench. And other than that, it was Aspas, Alberto, and Victor Moses just sort of making up the numbers and keeping the seats warm. But as you say, now now the squad's better. It does seem to take care of itself, and there's very few players who who you feel that because of the way he shaped the squad over the summer as well, like some Markovic going, Ibe, Allen. There's there's very few players, bar maybe Danny Ings, um, who who you would say have sort of. Are being left out at the moment. Um, it, it wouldn't feel like a part of the squad. Uh, so, you know, if they all come back, then he's got some big dilemmas to to, uh, to to face. But it, yeah, as you say, it doesn't work like that. You know, you got Coutinho there comes back from Brazil. Now, a couple of a couple of seasons ago, maybe of Liverpool having had the squad depth that they had, they'd be forced in playing Coutinho for the first sixty. It doesn't have an impact and gets hold off. Have, you know, having had a bit of a you know a six out of ten game, but. They've got that luxury now where they can, you know, even if it's a slight niggle, um, they, they can play. They can sort of, you know, someone like Origi might have been thrown in last season because you've, you've, you know, let's say Sturridge is injured, but and then you sort of you've got Ings who, who was out, and or you've got Spenteke, so you don't really know what, what, you know, where the goals are coming from. But he can find his rhythm as Klopp keeps on saying. 
he can find his rhythm on the training pitch and maybe a couple of minutes here and there off the bench. So it just allows you know the, the size of the squad dictates that you know even if it is just like a little niggle or just someone's not looking right in training, you won't see them, and, that, and that's that, that's how to play. We shouldn't uh, we should give a mention to Jordan Henderson who we thought was. Uh, very good on uh, on Saturday. I and, wish he uh, put that goal in. Uh, it would have been lovely. He, he doesn't though. That's that's one of the um, always always the side foot with him, isn't it? Mm. We were saying and you know, lean just, back side foot. Yeah, but um, two assists and you know just bossed the midfield, didn't he? I think and uh, I think he's got more more passes I think than anybody else this Premier League season. Um, but I want to talk maybe about the defence and um, you know Lucas obviously had his moment. Um, but I thought, apart from that, did an absolutely, you know, being asked. Uh, I think everyone takes for granted that Lucas will come in and do a decent job, but you know, we shouldn't take that for granted. If someone being asked to play a position he hasn't much played, apart from the, you know, obviously coming in last season, and does does a terrific positional job. I think uh, wins wins a few headers as well, and um, and then alongside Matip who. Just is starting to look like he could be the fantastic bargain we thought he would be because that's um, you know obviously started at Burton, kept on at, at Tottenham and another good game Doyle and um, you know he's going to have a big test and we'll probably talk about it later in the week against mm. Costa isn't he? On I was going to say he's already on, had Kane and Vardy hasn't he? So yeah. then it's Costa to come. But, but I mean I'm not going to get go overboard on on, on Matip simply because it is such early days and he's not playing in the defence that perhaps he expects to be playing in or, or Jurgen Klopp wants him to be playing in but in terms of his own performances he's been fine what, what I thought, thought was quite interesting about his performance against Leicester was that he seemed to be the one that was when they had set pieces he was the one that was going for the near post and being the first man to get the headers away which I thought that's what you want from a centre back you don't want them to be you know waiting for something to happen reacting he was actually being a bit more proactive and going I'm off after this see ya and, get, and try and get ahead on it. You want that from a six foot five centre exactly, back as well. Yeah. You know what was Peter Crouch always good at? He was always good. Liverpool very rarely conceded from corners because you know he was the near post man and, and and he'd be sort of the first line of the fence. So you know it's it's interesting to see. He looks a bit of an organiser to me as well. Um, there was just that one time when uh, I think it was um, he and James Milner didn't communicate when the you're ball gonna, came off the get back that, of though, aren't uh, you? Milner's head. Just said three four games. So you're yeah. going to get that. I mean that will come over time. It's interesting to see, you talk about Lucas as well dropping back, and it's also reflected in Alana as well, um, and maybe Milner, how Klopp is, he's, he's seeing things in players that people necessarily aren't seeing, in terms of, you take for granted that, and Lallana's always been a front free player, because that's where he's played the, the whole of his career, he's an attacking midfielder, he drifts in from the wing, he sort of plays, and Klopp's seen that and gone, well, I'm not really getting the goals or assists from him, so I'll drop him a little bit further back where his running, you know, the running is far more important, and maybe the goals and the assists and the, and the chances created aren't. Funnily enough, he's actually it's actually, he's actually weighing, in, weighing in with that now. Absolutely. And likewise with, with Lucas, you know, his position is absolutely fine, and you, you sort of say, well, he's a defensive midfielder. That's what it needs to be. But he just, for whatever reason, in a Klopp in a Klopp side, probably because it's just too intense, too fast moving, he can't. He just can't play there. He can't be that last line of the midfield. But where did you drop him into the into the fence? And he's got the position and he's got the the composure apart from that one moment. And he also he's got the passing ability. Well, Liverpool had against the against Leicester, they were two again with the caveat that he passed to Vardy at one point. But you had two ball playing centre backs, 
Um, two of the goals came from from Lucas balls. It was the first two, yeah, wasn't it? The first yeah. two came from Lucas balls. You know, straight into the midfield, or well, Milner as it was, but he was in a midfield position. So it's interesting, like with with Lucas as well as Alana and a couple of others that you know Klopp sort of. Not, I wouldn't say he's redefining roles, but he's looking at players. He's looking at their attributes and saying, well, just because they played there for the past ten years, of the career doesn't mean that they've got to play there now. We might see they can do this, and he's obviously he's looked at Milner and done that. Because you see how much Milner comes onto his onto his right foot, and obviously what he likes about that is that it opens up the entire pitch then. And so, it's so Lucas is someone who you you just wouldn't expect to be a centre back, you know, with the pace. And I admit I was a bit worried about him going up against Vatadi Amaras on that side, especially with Milner alongside him on the left. But um, you know, it, it's working, and and you can you can see why Klopp is is happy for him to be a. Know, a member of the of the squad in terms of as a centre back rather than midfielder. Um, and then if we go right back into the goalkeeper situation, um, we had uh, Loris Carius back on the bench uh, on Saturday, fit again after breaking the bone in his hand. Uh, Simon Mignolet kept the position, um, made one terrific save against Vardy at crucial time. I thought um, there were. were you know, some nerves from the crowd, particularly with his distribution with his feet, and uh, obviously he came for a long throw and and missed it, which um, saw Huth head onto the bar, Doily. Um, but overall, do you think at Chelsea, I think Simon Mignolet's still still number one at the moment, isn't he? Well, there's there's no doubt about that. <coughs> Mignolet's number one for the foreseeable, as far as I'm concerned, unless he drops a couple of absolute clangers. I can't see any reason why not to play him. I mean. You mentioned about his distribution, but in terms of his actual goalkeeping with his with his hands, that he had that one where he missed the long throw, but there were several in the second half where he came out and put strong punches on. And as you saw from his face by the end of the game, he, you know, there's been a bit of criticism maybe in the past that he's perhaps not the bravest of goalkeepers, but if he's getting up all those knocks and that kind of stuff, then that shows that he's putting himself about. And I think the sight of or the knowledge that Karius is on the bench is perhaps going to bring a bit more out of him. Christian, do you think? Um, the fans need to be um, it almost feels like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy there seems to be nerves in the stand when the balls are is at yeah. Mignolet's feet and does everyone hopefully just need to I can, you can understand why there is because they've sort of you know they don't want anything daft to happen but do we need to sort of just you know say you know, chill out a wee bit and, and because you don't want to be making the player nervous himself most definitely but I mean I think I think Mignolet's lost Anfield. Um, <laughs> it's a very I mean, big play. Yeah, yeah. Just follow the big, now, yeah. the big news now, yeah. I, think, I think he's. Like, I think he's come to the point of no return with, with with a fair portion of that crowd. Um, he was doing things on Saturday, which, to my eyes, were, there was nothing wrong with what he was doing whatsoever, and, and still the cop of human out of. And it just felt a little bit, as you say, a self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know. He's took a couple of touches and he's pinged the ball to the client's feet and everyone's angry at him. What? Why? What? 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 He's what? clearly been instructed. This is how Liverpool are going to play now. Carius will come in eventually, and I was thinking that when I was watching Mignolet playing these, I'm thinking Carius will come in eventually. He's meant to be better with his feet, so obviously they just get acclimatised to that sort of play. There's no big man to hit, so that's how they're going to play. And look, you know, we saw against the Chelsea against Swansea yesterday. It's Teams can can have brain farts, you know. Players can players can have moments, absolute 
nightmare. That may be his first for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not allowed. That's That's allowed, allowed it's it? allowed. It's allowed. We can say brain. Yeah, we can say brain. And um, <laughs> but, but players will make mistakes and that lead to goals. I just think that with Mignolet, they've sort of they've had the belly full of it, which I think is a bit unfair to be honest. But he is he doesn't inspire confidence. But as you say, that self fulfilling prophecy. I don't think he inspires confidence because no one's got any confidence in him. So it becomes this vicious circle, and and the change. When it does come, and I think it will eventually come, we'll we'll, we'll probably do the crowd and everyone, everyone bar Simon Minnelli good. But I, I think he's he's getting a, a rough deal from the crowd to be honest. I think there was a couple of players on Saturday. I think Henderson was another one early on where he was he was playing a couple of passes and there was nothing wrong with them. Um, he was holding on to the ball and, and waiting instead of releasing it, and I think the crowd was just sort of really angsty for whatever reason. Uh, but with, you know, with Minnelli, it's. I can only just see Carriers taking taking charge eventually, um, and it's a shame because not a shame that he loses a place necessarily. It's just a shame that the cop happened. I don't think they've ever taken to him really. It's all been downhill that relationship since the Stoke debut. Well. Isn't, isn't, isn't this a bit like the Lovren situation last year though? Because I seem to recall that whenever kind of Lovren got the ball at some point, the whole crowd would be on edge. But then, because of his own performances over the course of time, they kind of yeah, you don't well, really think now. You don't, when when. You know, fans when they see Lovren's name on the team sheet, in fact, they were more worried that he wasn't playing on on yeah. Saturday. Whereas well, at, at, ultimately, it's down to Mignolet, as Christian says. But Lovren hasn't been there for anywhere near as long as Mignolet, and I think perhaps the fans have. Well, certainly some of them have just had enough, which yeah. is which is a bit unfair. There's, I think. As you say, Dolly, I think you're right in the sense that if if a Liverpool keep winning games and and b there's no no ricks or howlers, then I think it's going to be difficult for Carriers to to. Uh, you know, um, force his way in. You could see we've got a League Cup game coming up after Chelsea, haven't we? Mm. At Derby, whether that would be the opportunity for the manager to try him, that could you would think that would be that could potentially be his his sort of competitive debut. Uh, but and and whether you know if he had a stormer there, then I suppose that could be the opportunity for 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 Klopp if he wants to make the switch. But of course, Klopp's never been. You know, he has always been the one who's been had the most confidence in in Simon Mignolet. I mean, Carius is no sure thing. You know, he's he's a young goalkeeper who will have to acclimatise to a more physical league. He's not he's not actually the biggest goalkeeper I've ever seen. Um, is he the prettiest goalkeeper you've ever he, seen? He probably is. But, um, <laughs> he has the confidence of a young man who was popular at school, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, he's, he's got a good social media game as well. But you saw a Wigan. You know the pre-season when he when he left the ball, the era, yeah. yeah, just just flows under and all right. He did really well to save the ball with with his face and whatever it was. Um, so obviously, yeah, 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 he's got no problem getting that pretty face uh, messed up a little bit. But the, you know, he's not he's no sure thing. I saw a couple of people going, "Why is Carrius not playing? Why?" You know, people were tweeting going, "Why isn't Carrius playing? Why?" And then after the mistake, it was like it was Mignolet's fault as well, apparently. <coughs> substitute, you know, substituting for Carrius now. You know, there's, there's no guarantee Carrius is going to come in. We, we've seen top goalkeepers like De Gea and Pepe Reina struggle to acclimatise at the start of, of their Premier League careers. So, you know, it's you know, Carrius coming in is not going to essentially make Liverpool impenetrable at the back. Yeah, I'd be quite. That, funnily enough, we did used to see that sort of pass out a lot from Mignolet under Brendan Rodgers and we sort of when he decided to sort of go back to basics it, it sort of disappeared and you know certainly no problem going out from the back but maybe that uh, that sort of one parallel with the byline where the defender's literally virtually on his own yeah. uh, byline is, is one they can uh, 
you know, ease out. Um, we should mention, obviously, uh, the game was significant in historical terms uh, for the opening of the main stand. Everyone will have heard uh, about it. Uh, many of you will have been there and experienced it now. Um, it's it's um, big. it's very big, and I mean, certainly from a press point of view, it's brilliant. We've got far more space than we ever had before. A fantastic Jeez. view, all those things. From um, a spectator's point of view, Doily, um, the, it felt the atmosphere felt really positive. Um, there were some teething problems. We know the water in the in the loose wasn't working for a bit. I think that was a problem uh, with the main outside the stadium actually. But um, it, it, there was a real positivity about the place. And when that second goal went in, and the, there was their injury, and there was a little break in play, and you saw all these pockets all over the main stand standing up and singing. Uh, alongside with the cop, and it, it just it felt like a much younger place than the main I was stand. Say, was it you that said that the um, the average age of the main stand has gone down by about twenty five to thirty years? That, this is this is not accurate, but that, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, that was my felt, uh, that was what it felt like. That's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, you, you're probably right. I mean, the atmosphere was great. The it was loud as well. That was the other thing that the acoustics were good. Yeah, way. I mean, and it the cop didn't seem to lose any of its noise either. Plus, if the main stand's singing, then the cops thinking, "Hang on, we're going to have to up our game here a bit. We've got reputation to, to to keep up." So, we'll see what happens once the novelty wears off. But in terms of having an extra eight and a half, nine thousand fans, you know, supporting Liverpool, cheering for them, I can't see any negatives from that. I tell you what, the, what the main stand is as well. It, because sometimes to me the cop just feels a little bit like it's a little bit too cool for school. Um, there's a lot of hardened veterans in there who, who sort of, you know, are a little bit against modern football and, you know, they wouldn't sing a, a Euro trash 90s pop song to Admiral Lama's name or something like that. I think with the main stands, it's twofold really. You've got a load of lads and, and lasses there who um, have been on wait list for a long time, um, who've never really had a season ticket maybe and now we've finally got the chance so you know they're going to enjoy themselves people appreciate they it yeah mm. they haven't been they haven't been what you know ground down by Liverpool being Liverpool over the past 20 years so they're going to enjoy themselves and also obviously with the whole relocation of the main stands and I think there'll be clusters of mates next to each other which which helps with the atmosphere as well you know the old main stands uh, you get to, someone who gets to the seat and then you, you, you're next to someone who's Bought a ticket online, and then you're next to somebody who's, who's who's picked one up, you know, outside the stadium or whatever. And there's not no real cohesion. There's no real um, communal feel to it. But I could see before kickoff, people were sort of turning around and like talking to the mates and all that sort of thing. So, you know, big clusters of fans um, will, you know, big clusters of mates here, and will will we'll generate that atmosphere. They chat amongst themselves. They'll, they'll get a bit of a sing song going, and also just it's it. it, it Shakes it up a little bit, doesn't it? It's, it's also the old main stand. You saw the main stands. A lot of them were seeing ticket holders who've been there for 20, 30 years. You'd have MX in the corner who just watch the away end rather than watching the football and, and that sort of thing. You'd obviously have the, the, the pillars in front of the pitch, which sometimes would hinder because people just can't get involved because you feel like you're watching it behind a, a screen. Now it just it just freshens it up a little bit, and Anfield's needed that for, for, for a fair while. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, let's. Let's see what the, the atmosphere is like when it's it's nil nil against Hull after seventy minutes. But, yeah, but you know it's a good start, and I wouldn't be surprised if it carried on a little bit. Absolutely, uh, positives all round. I think well done to um, 
FSG, who obviously had uh, were in attendance on uh, on Saturday to see uh, their first game there, uh, should just end by saying well done to the Liverpool under 18s who saw uh, win. Did you go uh, to this game by any chance? It, it was it was a really enjoyable, especially the first half uh, uh, win uh, against uh, um, Stoke. Uh, well done to uh, Glenn McCauley, who got a couple of goals there, uh, and Adam Lewis, who provided a couple of assists. And uh, and also to Mick Beals uh, under 23s who were brilliant again for a, a half with Jurgen Klopp watching at Prenton Park yesterday against Leicester winning 4-0 and uh, you know some uh, very uh, good performances from uh, youngsters like Ben Woodburn, Ovi Ajaria and uh, and Trent Alexander. Arnold and, and Captain Harry Wilson as well. So uh, uh, well done to uh, all Liverpool teams for a hat trick of victories this weekend. Um, uh, so an excellent weekend to be a red. Hope you all enjoyed it. This has been your Blood Red podcast, and we'll be back later in the week to uh, preview a big test against Chelsea. Thanks for listening.